You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. saddest verses in all the Bible is 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, who was a fellow minister along with Paul, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. There's nothing wrong with having glorious experiences in this life as long as those glorious experiences don't cause us to miss out on something much better or cause us who truly know the Savior to get out of focus. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, we read about a man named Demas and how he fell in love with the ways of the world. In fact, he loved the world so much that he left his ministry with Paul. Pastor Danny will warn you in today's message to not lose sight of the things that really matter, or rather the one who matters, Jesus, the Son of God. It's not wrong to enjoy life on this earth, but be careful to not lose focus. Be careful that you don't miss out on the great and wonderful things that God has for you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 8 as he continues his message, Our Glorious Inheritance. A spiritual body. To me, this is the most fascinating. Jesus, after his resurrection, he appears to his disciples. They were in a room. They had the door locked for fear of the Jewish leadership. And it says that Jesus walked in, not through the door, or if it was through the door, it was literally through the door. He just walked right through the wall. I always find it humorous when I read that story or think about it, because here's the first thing he says to him. He walks through the wall, and he says, shalom, means peace. Yeah, somebody walks through a wall, I got the doors locked, and that's the first feeling I'm going to have, peace. They think he's a ghost. And here's what he says, touch me, touch me. He invited, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Now, I think it's very interesting. What he did not say is, a ghost does not have flesh and blood. He said flesh and bones. Because the new body, it's a spiritual body. This body now is empowered by the blood. The life is in the blood. Are you with me? The new body is not empowered by the blood. I'm not sure. I don't think there's any blood in the new body. It's a spiritual body. It's not a natural body. This natural body, you're going to die without the blood. This is a spiritual body. Now, I can't explain it, but Jesus has flesh and bones in his resurrection body, and yet he can walk through walls. I can't explain that, but I serve a miracle God, so I don't have to explain it. It's a real body. It's a physical body, but it can walk through walls. On another occasion, he appears to them 
and they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. This is what it says. And he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. So it's a spiritual body. I can't explain this either, but we can eat. In the new creation, Revelation says there are trees by the river of life that give their fruit every month and it is perpetually fresh and there's all these different kinds of fruit. We'll be able to eat. Now I'm going to throw you my opinion based on these verses. Here's my opinion. My opinion is even though we can eat in our new spiritual body, we'll never have to relieve ourselves. That's just my opinion. Why do I believe that? Dung is unclean. Do I have to explain to anybody here what dung is? Everybody know what dung is? Dung is unclean. There is nothing unclean in heaven. I can't imagine a public utilities thing in heaven. Somebody running it. Now, I can't explain those things. New body, it's a real physical body, but it can walk through walls. New body, you can eat, but I don't think we'll have to relieve ourselves. That means you can eat as much as you want. And, and you won't get fat. I mean, it's just amazing stuff. Let me tell you one more thing about what I believe regarding the spiritual body that we'll have, the new body. Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty, we will be like the angels. Now, we won't be angels. We'll always be unique. We're not angels. We'll be like the angels. We won't marry or be given in marriage like we do now. So if we're going to be like the angels, angels can move horizontally and vertically. Are you with me? Jesus ascended, and it says he's coming on the clouds. I, I believe, I'm convinced, personally, we'll be able to travel this way and this way. There's another reason I believe that, not only because we'll be like the angels. When you read Revelation 21, especially verses 15 and 16, about the new Jerusalem, it gives dimensions there of the new Jerusalem, all right? It's 1,400 miles this way, it's 1,400 miles this way, and it's 1,400 miles this way. Read it. Read it. It's a cube. Well, why is it 1,400 miles up this way? How do you get there? Elevators? No, 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 no. You just, you just go. I'm going to give you one last thing. This is my opinion. I want to be clear. My opinion. Once God creates new heavens and a new earth, Revelation 21, I believe we'll be able to travel. Now, there's no, no question we'll be traveling. You read Revelation, people are coming in and out of the city, people are traveling. But I believe we'll be able to travel and see the new creation. And I believe the new creation is endless because we serve an infinite God. So all eternity, there'll always be something new. Always be something. Always be something. It's just glorious. It's unbelievable. Now... We're going to reign with Christ in what's called the millennium. The millennium just means thousand years. We're going to reign in the thousand year reign after the seven year period, which is almost upon us. The seven year tribulation period, the great tribulation, then Jesus comes back. We get our new bodies and it says that we will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Isaiah 9 verse 7, that Jesus reigns from David's throne. That's Jerusalem. Micah 4, 2, the law goes out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And we will be, this is incredible, we'll be the government agents in the thousand-year reign. Now, my wife believes just believers going to the millennium. I, I love her to death, and she's very smart, but she's wrong on this one. <laughs> she's just wrong. I'm sorry. Daniel chapter 7, verse 12, the beast, and it speaks of beasts as nations, 
and they're unbelievers. You check it out. I'm not going to take you there right now because we get off. But it says the beast, at the coming of Christ, the beast were allowed to live for a period of time. Jesus said about the tribulation period, unless those days had been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those that will actually be saved in the tribulation period, they'll be saved. I believe they'll die martyrs deaths, but they'll be saved. It says, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days were cut short, which tells me not only people will be saved, but people will survive. A lot of people will die during the tribulation period. It'll be the worst time the world's ever known and never to know again. Uh, and some people will survive. Those survivors move into the millennial kingdom and we become the government agents under Jesus throughout the world. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, I got my resume in for somewhere in the Caribbean. Uh, wherever he puts me, that's fine. I don't, that's fine. But I do have a resume in for the Caribbean. Get this, there's going to be no more war. you imagine what no politician, no government, no, nobody has been able to do? Jesus is going to do. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. He'll judge between the nations, settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. It says it again in Micah chapter 4, verse 3. There's going to be peace that just increases throughout that thousand-year reign. It's Isaiah 9, verse 7, of the increase of his, Jesus' government and peace, there will be no end. This is going to become more peaceful and more peaceful and more peaceful. Amazing. Get this one. I love this. The animal kingdom will no longer be meat eaters. Isaiah chapter 11. Let me read it for you. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. Wow. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. You can let your kid near the cobra. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest just for fun. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I put in my notes, Bush Gardens comes home. I was reading this past week in Ezekiel 47. I didn't put it down here. There's other verses we could go to, but listen, I was reading in my devotions the other day in Ezekiel 47 and in the thousand year reign, the water coming from the temple in Jerusalem there, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and it goes down to the Dead Sea. And right now the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it's dead. But in that day, this water will flow from the temple. And when it goes into the Dead Sea, the water will become fresh. And it says there's going to be fish. Like you can't believe, it says fishermen are going to be all over the shores of what is now the Dead Sea. And it'll be fresh water, but it says the fish will be like the fish of the Great Sea, the Mediterranean. So it'll be fresh water, but saltwater fish. I can't wait. Maybe I ought to change my resume. <laughs> Lord, south of Jerusalem would be wonderful. We're going to live forever. Sit around and think about this on a starry night. Forever. After the thousand year reign, God's going to make everything, everything new. Let me read Revelation chapter 21. Oh my goodness. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea, but there's water. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Folks, this is paradise restored. Right now there's a paradise in the third heaven. And one day, where we're living now, everywhere, it'll all be paradise. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. There'll be no sin. Revelation 21, 27, nothing unclean will be allowed in this world. Fascinating. Because there's no sin, there's no temptation. I can't wait! I can't wait! (laughs) Aren't you sick of the temptation? The flesh? I hate the temptation of my flesh. I want to get rid of it so bad. One day there'll be no more struggles. No more having to fight the devil. No more having to fight the flesh. Won't be any flesh anymore. Wow. Former things will not be remembered. Isaiah 65. Nor will they come to mind. Now here's something that's not my opinion. Got to be true. Got to be true. That does not mean that God wipes away our memory. It can't. If he wiped away our memory, we wouldn't know Jesus is our Savior. We wouldn't know how he got there. No, no, no. It can't be that he wipes out our memory. A few years ago, God turned the light bulb on for me personally on understanding this. Because people ask me about this. Does that mean God wipes out our memory? Because how am I going to think for all eternity about my my lost loved one that's in in the lake of fire? How, How could I ever enjoy heaven if I know that? I was reading the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter... James and John went with Jesus up on the mountain and Jesus was transfigured before them and they saw him in all of his glory. And remember what Peter said, let's build three houses right here. Let's just live here. Peter was married. He didn't even want to go back down to his wife because he was in glory. I love the commercial Southwest Airlines. You want to get away? I mean, all of us have times we don't want to get away. And every now and then we get a chance to get away. And maybe you get away and maybe you get to go to that favorite vacation spot. And while you're there, you have a glorious, glorious time. And for some of that time, you forget about all your troubles. Oh, they're still there. They're still back there. But you forget about them because you're having a glorious experience. This is going to be so glorious forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever that you'll never, well, I'll never be able to focus on the past. That's the only way to explain that. That's the only way to explain it. It's an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Now, God's going to dwell among us. We're going to see his glory. And by the way, that is the most glorious thing 
The most glorious thing is not going to be a city, the New Jerusalem, with streets of gold and priceless gems and pearls at the gates of the city. Those things are awesome. Those things are awesome. And the new creation, I mean, it's just going to be, you're just going to go, wow, wow, wow. But the most glorious thing will be God because he's more glorious than his creation. That'll be the most incredible thing is being able to see the glory of God, which I believe increases after the millennium. That's just a side note because 1 Corinthians has this mysterious verse. When God creates the new heavens and the new earth, that's when it says, now God comes and dwells with men. Well, God's dwelling with them before in the thousand year reign, but it's Christ. It's God, the son. Now God, the father joins. And it says, God becomes all in all. That's what it says. Very mysterious, but that's what it says. And we're going to see him in all of his glory. Now catch this. The psalmist wrote, whom I have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Not a lot of people can write that. Rich young ruler gave up a glorious inheritance because he was a man who had a lot of wealth, and he chose this life. Bad decision, bad decision. Here's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter one. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Now I can completely understand why somebody like the apostle Paul could write that in all sincerity. He's in a prison. He gets beat up everywhere he goes. He's going to die a martyr's death. I mean, certainly you can understand Somebody like Vivian Laird, who's in glory now, but the 35 years he and his wife Marilyn spent in Africa, many of those years in the Sudan. And while he's gloriously serving the Lord, he could easily say, it'd be much better to be with Christ than in the Sudan. One of the saddest verses in all the Bible is 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, who was a fellow minister along with Paul, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. There's nothing wrong with having glorious experiences in this life as long as those glorious experiences don't cause us to miss out on something much better or cause us who truly know the Savior to get out of focus. I'm challenged by that. I'm challenged by that. Let me just be good honest with you. I make a decent salary. I live in a nice house. I drive a nice car. I own a boat. I live next to the Gulf of Mexico. I get to go to SeaWorld. I took my wife there last week. We spent the night, Sunday night, last Sunday night in Orlando. Went to SeaWorld that afternoon and evening, and then got up and went back to SeaWorld Monday morning, and then drove back to the real world here. Halloween night, I decided to take my wife out to the beach and have dinner on the beach and watch the sunset. I'm telling you what, it was glorious. It was glorious. I mean, it was after the sunset. It's like heaven decided to turn extra lights on. It was unbelievable. We sat there, had a wonderful dinner, love of my life. We're walking back to the car. I put my arm around my wife. I said, can you imagine heaven being better than this. And immediately, without any hesitation, she said, yes. <laughs> I was taken aback. <laughs> I didn't expect that. 
I was hurt. <laughs> he just had a glorious meal with what, who I believe is the love of your life, right? Wonderful sunset. And she immediately, without hesitation, said, yes. And I realized I've married a very godly woman, but a woman that doesn't always know how to encourage her husband. <laughs> she has true spiritual perspective. Despite how glorious it gets here, she realizes, and I, of course, realize, this is nothing. The story is told about a widowed man and his son who shared a passion for art collecting. Together, they traveled the globe, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless works, Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, many others. Wartime came and the son went off to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, the father received a knock on his door. His son had been killed while rushing a fellow wounded soldier to a medic. The Christmas holidays were approaching, and this would be perhaps the most difficult Christmas this father had ever experienced. On Christmas morning, there was another knock at the door, and again, a soldier was on the other side. He was a young man. He was holding a large package. He introduced himself as the man his son had rescued in the heat of battle. They had become especially close because he was an artist, and of course, now his friend loved art. With that, he said, I did this for you, and he handed the gentleman the package. The father unwrapped the package, and it gave way to a beautiful portrait of his son. Both men wept. Overcome with emotion, the father thanked this young man repeatedly. Afterward, the father removed from over his fireplace what most would consider a painting far more valuable and replaced it with the portrait of his son. He spent Christmas gazing again and again on what now had become his most priceless work of art. The following spring, his father passed away. The art world heard and went into frenzied anticipation. His entire collection was to be sold at auction. His will determined that the collection be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day he had received his greatest gift. The auction began with a painting that was not on anyone's list. It was the portrait of the father's son. The auctioneer briefly explained who the portrait was of. And then he asked for an opening bid. The room was silent. Will someone open the bidding at $100? Again, silence. Finally, from the back of the room, somebody shouted, Who cares about that painting? That's just a picture of his son. Other voices echoed in agreement. But the auctioneer was firm. This had to go first before moving on. Now, who will take the son? Asked the auctioneer. Finally, a friend of the old man said, would you take $30 for it? It was all he had. After no one else would bid higher, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, and then he laid his gavel down, sold for $30. And then he's shocked the whole place. When he said, friends, the auction is over. I mean, you, 
almost a riot, yeah, almost a riot. When he finally was able to quiet the crowd, the auctioneer said, it was the will of the Father that whoever takes the Son gets it all. We're so thankful to be able to share God's Word with you on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. We've been journeying through Christian basics together, learning what it is to be forgiven and how important it is to stay focused on Jesus. If you'd like to hear today's message again or more from Pastor Danny, visit ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab. We'd also like to invite you to join us in our Bible reading plan. This is a great way to get into the Word every day, and reading God's Word is so important. You can find out more under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us in prayer here on The Living Word. Prayer is such a powerful tool, and it helps us to remain in steady conversation with the Lord. Here on The Living Word, we hope to always teach the Word in order to reach the world. We know that it's easy to get lost in fear and doubt, especially in the world today. But when you seek the Lord first, the days look a bit lighter and the enemy loses his foothold on our lives. If you're listening today and you're wrestling with your faith, take heart. This world is not your final home. Keep seeking and keep praying. Don't lose faith. Thanks for praying and for tuning in today. Join us next time as Pastor Danny continues teaching through Christian basics right here on The Living Word.